GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Hello, everybody. It's Paul Elmsley, the founder and CEO of Health Cert. And today, I'm very excited to be able to introduce you to uh, Chris Smead. Chris is the co-creator and the CEO of Cubico, which is a medical practice platform that provides insights analysis on all practice data to help practices identify areas to improve profitability and efficiency in your practice. So how are you today, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to excited to be back. Uh, we had a good chat last week, got the got the data nerd uh, in me excited. So really keen to continue chatting and uh, nerding out on all things general practice, data, healthcare, and a bit of tech along the way. Awesome. Well, last time we talked about, I mean, I suppose, you know, some of the metrics to look at and to how to use that information, you know, best within a practice. So I think that what we'd love to be able to talk to you today is around some of the specific challenges when it comes to using data and particularly for practice improvement. So my first question is going to be, what are the specific challenges or barriers that general practices face when it comes to utilising data for practice improvement? Yeah, look, that's a great question and one we get a lot at Cubico. We've got about a thousand metrics that can help a general practice and we sometimes get what's called a bit of paralysis. You know, there's so many things we can do, so many things to look at. Where do we start? And I think a lot of it to me comes back to actually balancing up the need for profitability or sustainability in a general practice with patient outcomes and looking after our patients. So it's sort of like, you know, I see a bit of a seesaw. Sometimes you've got to balance that business side of general practice and the clinical outcome uh, patient cohort uh, area. So the big thing I always say is pick metrics to start with that will actually tick a lot of the boxes and will help you balance that seesaw. Um, you know, it's something that will really help your patient outcomes. Normally, will be linked to increasing your practice sustainability. So a great example, your practice might have a lot of over 75-year-old patients. So in your practice, a great way to look at sustainability would be focusing on the over 75 health assessments because you're matching what your patient cohort needs to something the government funds through the MBS. That all starts with using your practice data, not just putting your finger in the air and hoping to do the right thing, but looking at your data and your demographics or where you have opportunity or the patient cohort you have in your practice and choosing like to focus in on metrics um, and practice quality improvements that, that would lead to some, some great benefit on that front. Excellent. And, you know, and the, the sort of data that people can get. So let's say, for example, we do want to use that 75-year-old cohort. So what, being able to pull out how many patients there are, how many patients have been or seen us to, you know, and I suppose the same thing would probably be related also possibly to care plans. So how easy is that data to access and then sort of how would you bring it to life in a way that obviously would help our, you know, staff help follow up patients that maybe aren't coming back and seeing us where they should be? Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot, there's lots of different ways you can get to it. You can use um, tools that your PHN might give you. You can use a tool like Cubico. Or you can always just jump online into the into the different forums and, and, and social media communities and ask for queries to run. Um, so there's lots of different ways to do it. We always say the way to do it is a way that empowers every member of your team member that's going to be part of the process to get access to the data. So I know a lot of practice managers and practice owners who have fantastic SQL queries to get a list of patients eligible for those over 75 health assessments, which is great. But you know what? That depends on that practice manager being available that morning to run that query, to get that list, to then print it off and to then share it. And you know what? At that point, you sort of say, oh, how can we empower our team members to be part of this process to get the best out of it? So why isn't the practice nurse empowered just to have that list so they can action it because they're the ones that are finding patients? Why aren't the receptionists empowered with that list? 
um, to make it happen. So we love, you know, making data available to everyone, no matter what role they are in. And then on the flip side, actually then celebrating the wins as a team. So we might have started off saying there's 200 patients that are overdue. Um, let's, I'm just using the word sort of they're overdue or eligible for an over 75 health assessment. How do we get that list down? How do we as a team celebrate the fact that we've now had 100 of our over 75 patients now have that health assessment and we're keeping it at a pretty steady number is also really important. So don't get too focused just on the list of patients, but also the overall goal, because we know a quality improvement is about picking a goal and then working towards that goal. Awesome. Excellent. And how can, you know, general practices, you know, leverage benchmarking data to compare their practice performance against, you know, perhaps others or the industry standards? Yeah, look, benchmarking data is a bit of a funny one. Uh, you know, if you jump on Google today, Paul, and you Google general practice benchmarks, five of the 10 uh, reports or web pages you get taken to actually have data from before COVID. And I know our practice is, is very, very different now to what it was pre-COVID. I'm sure, Paul, you see it across your network, how different the business of general practice is now to what it was pre-COVID. So I think with benchmarks, I always start with saying, make sure you're comparing apples and apples and oranges and oranges. Otherwise, it's going to be a hiding to nothing. So we use the word benchmarking very carefully because sometimes also it makes people quite nervous and sends the wrong cultural message to the practice. So make sure you're using benchmarks, not just to say, oh, we're doing 3% less health assessments than the benchmark, but also to celebrate some wins. You know, that's a really important thing in general practice to celebrate the wins, celebrate how awesome your team is performing. We like to look at benchmarks in two ways. One is across uh, general practice, comparing apples and apples and oranges and oranges. Uh, so just make sure you're doing that in a way that is safe, secure, and agrees with your practice's privacy policy. But another really simple way, and if you're listening to this podcast today and you're an individual practitioner, something you can do yourself, is the government needs to make available all the MBS claiming data on their big data website. So you can jump online um, and go to the government website and get download how many 23s, 36s, 44s, 721s, 723s were claimed over a certain period. And then compare that ratio to your own billing data. I'm not going to guarantee you an audit because, you know, the breadth of general practice is so broad in this country. But for us, it's a really great way, you know, at a really simple level to say, what percentage of care plans am I doing to standard consults? Yeah. Um, just to sort of see what, what area you're in. I think, like I said, from our experience, I mean, for the audience, we've got 21 practices. So, you know, and whilst we do generally the same thing, we're a little bit different because we're mainly skin cancer focused, but we're still, you know, once again, delivering services. I think that, you know, from our experiences, we don't necessarily want to benchmark ourselves only against what the industry is doing, because that's just assuming the industry is doing it well. Typically, what we try and look at is saying, well, what is our goal, right? If we're in a situation, as I said, we want 75% of, you know, patients that would qualify for X to be obviously in the system and attending. Um, and I agree with you completely on the whole, you know, having those metrics and benchmarks and celebrating wins. I mean, we, we set actual, you know, targets on, you know, doctor utilization and patient retention and all these sorts of things. Uh, and we actually have it as a dashboard. And then we actually put money into a social fund for the for everybody as a result of hitting those targets. And we look at that on a weekly basis. So I agree with your point, though. I think the key thing with data is it's designed to help identify areas of opportunity or focus, you know, for the business and then setting realistic smaller targets on the way to whatever the bigger target is and definitely celebrating the wins i think is a 
is a very important thing to be doing as well. So completely. And Paul, a great little example I had was um, we let practices set, uh, set, set many targets in Cubico, but originally we let them set the target of wait time. And you know what? Every practice set a target of a zero minute wait time. And you and I have both been around long enough to know that that'd be amazing, but the chances mm. of it happening are pretty rare. So if you don't feel confident enough to set your goals or targets, actually looking at how you're going week on week or month on month is another great way to do it for the first few months. Because by doing that, I reckon by the time you get to month four or month five, in your head, you'll know that target. And then you yeah. can set it as a target. Sometimes people get quite intimidated by coming straight into a process. Or if you're building your dashboard for the first time and saying, what is our target? It's actually quite hard because we're building this dashboard to get visibility, sometimes for the first time ever. So following trends month on month, week on week, will very quickly help you know what that target is. And it'll be in your gut, you'll have that feeling. But then sharing that target with your team is really, really important. Yeah. And probably the other thing to note when you are doing this exercise, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is to make sure you count the same things the same way. So I mean, mm-hmm. look, there's different ways you can count for things. And, you know, waiting time would be a classic um, but the, you know, we, well, I suppose I'm just really conscious of as long as you consistently look at it the same way and then don't change the methodology, because if you do, then obviously all of the past data basically becomes somewhat irrelevant. I've got a great so, story, Paul. Um, when we started yeah. Cubico, yeah. you actually know, was, and, and still to this day, what is an hour in general practice? Like yeah. there was no definition of what an hour was in general practice. And we actually ended up now with three definitions of hours in general practice. And this is just one example of how, you know, everyone was saying, oh, I did an hour and my billings per hour was this. And I was like, but was that hour with patients or was it just when you opened up to see patients and what happened to your double bookings and everything along those lines? So uh, data's good, but you're totally right. Knowing to be able to compare apples to apples, really, really important. Now, are there any specific regulatory or compliance requirements when you're, you know, capturing data and obviously sharing it? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. We uh, actually on our website have a great trust center And we were one of the first health tech companies in Australia to do a trust center because we want to lift the entire conversation around data, but also health tech in general. Some of the big things to be aware of are, is the data being stored in Australia? Which I'm sure we should all are very aware of that. Uh, Who are you sharing it with? What are they using it for? And do you maintain control of it? So if you go to our website, um, you actually download a really simple checklist that you can use to look at any health tech and people you're engaging with. Um, one of the things I love to see is go and read the privacy policy of a vendor you're engaging with and make sure it's a legitimate privacy policy. The number of times people have downloaded a privacy policy for someone else and done an edit replace and changed a few things, it's a bit scary because I know for accreditation, you have to have a practice privacy policy. And yours, if yours is, 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 is all up to date and all happening, but the people you're working with isn't up to date, um, that's something to be worried about. And the other thing I love to encourage practices to do is to ask if their vendor has engaged in a pen test. So I spend a lot of money every year having someone independent come in and look at Cubico and make sure it's doing correctly and run tests to make sure it's safe and secure. So that's a great way that you don't have to have all those expertise. You don't need to know about encryption on this to do this and do this, but are they engaging a reputable firm to look at how that that vendor works? And are they working safely and securely? One uh, final thing um, I love practices to look at is, is the software they're using a partner of their practice management system? So when those software vendors become partners with the practice management system, the practice management systems like best practice or medical director, put them through a big process to make sure what they're doing is compliant. So always look for those ticks and find people who are engaged 
with their practice management system because it's a good sign they're doing it safely and securely. And then how do uh, how do you ensure, I mean, the, the privacy and security of patient data whilst mm-hmm. still trying to drive practice improvements by sharing that information? So one's obviously definitely having a privacy policy. I mean, we as part of our, you know, I suppose employee engagement, et cetera, has a confidentiality agreement as well in there just to make sure that everyone understands that what obviously is in the practice stays in the practice and doesn't go outside the practice. But are there any other things that we can do to, once again, just ensure now, when we're talking about data, when you know, as you said, we might create a patient list of you know people over the age of seventy-five, and that's distributed, and we want to follow them up. So obviously, we're you now sharing people's personal information. I mean, if you get aggregated data, so in other words, it's a summary of you know the wait times of everyone. I mean, there's no patient list attached to it, so there is sort of certain data which call it is safe in the sense that there isn't anything that's obviously unique to someone's uh, individual records. And I think we all understand, you know, we are in healthcare mm. and we have to be very careful with information because obviously we don't want it going out in the wrong place. So is there anything from your experience around privacy and security that we can do? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I really like the way that um, uh, a lot of people approach data, which is only share, take, utilize what you need to achieve an outcome. So if you don't need to know patient names to get an average of wait time, we shouldn't be using patient names. So the first thing is only use what you need to use. The second thing is make sure you limit who has access to what. So one of the awesome things we do in Cubico is we say, you can say my receptionist can only access a dashboard about what's happening today in the practice, but they might not have access to all the billing information because the receptionist doesn't need that data. But our receptionists probably don't need access to our cryochronic disease management section, so you don't give them access to it. So you're not limiting data. You're not making, once again, what we spoke about earlier today, Paul, about you as the, as the manager or the owner or the GP being a roadblock to accessing data. But what you're doing is giving people the right level of access so they can access only what they need to to accomplish what needs to happen. I think that's a really important part of where software is moving. As we become more decentralized, as we start empowering our team members to do different roles within a practice, we need to make sure we're giving them access to the tool sets to do it correctly. One of the other common ones we see, Paul, is the old remote access. So, you know, during COVID, a lot of people got set up with work from home facilities, be able to answer the phones or see patients from home. But also, what else does that give it access to? And it's alarming the number of times a team member might move on, but their remote access actually isn't disabled. So keeping that quality over who has access to what really, really important. Yeah. And I, and I think to that point, you know, any practice should have an offboarding process as well mm. as an onboarding process. So, you know, when you bring somebody on, you know, you obviously have to give them access and information, but, you know, conversely as a business, you know, need to make sure that there's obviously the reverse process that occurs at the end. And as mm. you said, it should just generally be a, a checklist the practice manager should be able to go through. But, you know, yeah, I, to your point, that is quite important because as I said, you know, if it doesn't get, doesn't actually happen, then that can be a problem of itself. So one of the things we've seen a lot of is actually practices moving to using uh, practice email addresses rather than everyone just using personal email addresses. Um, because what it does, is it lets you have control over what's going on with that email address. And when you onboard or offboard, it kind of becomes like a trigger point for a lot of different processes to happen. And, you know, for what, $7.95 a month for an Office 365 account? Um, that gives someone an Australian-hosted email address that's privacy compliant, gives them access to things like Teams and ways to work with your, with your practice 
cohort, it can be really powerful as a way to sort of make sure you're onboarding, offboarding, but also internal communications um, are really solid. Okay. And just to finish off, just some strategies around, you know, integrating data decision, you know, driven decision making mm-hmm. into day-to-day operations. Yeah. So one of the biggest things is making data available when a decision is being made. Yeah. Um, it's so important. And look, and when I say data, it's actually really broad. So for your practice manager, it's them knowing what it costs to run an appointment in the practice. So when they have to talk to someone about the cost of a consumable, they know it costs us $7 for you to run an appointment in this practice. And if we went to this or change this, it would become $8 of what that does to the, the sustainability of the practice. For your GPs, it might be looking at their day sheet to see who's coming in and what um, opportunities there are to provide CDM or, or other services to them. For your reception team, it might be chasing down debt. I think every practice is so different. It's kind of a pretty broad question there, Paul, about how we do it. But once again, I come back to putting the right data in the hands of the right person when they need to make a decision. And then also for you in a leadership position, if you're a leadership position within your practice, having that longitudinal view about what's going on. Because you know what? It's no, it's, These days it's too late to wait until September or October after a financial year when your accountant gives you a balance sheet and a profit and loss to say, oh, we stopped being sustainable or profitable back in January. You know, it's too late then. We need to sort of start moving to a world where things move because inflation isn't waiting six months to catch up with you. The prices on your consumables go up straight away. Wages go up straight away. So being across the data in in a lot shorter timeline is really critical. If you're in a leadership position in a practice, I'd say every fortnight or every month, having a list of probably the 10 key metrics. And in Cubico, we put them all on one page for you to check in and keep an eye on is really, really key. And it's a great place to start too, because you start with those 10 key metrics and something might you know, be interesting to you. And that might be a metric that you start checking every Monday with your leadership team to see what's happening. So having weekly, monthly, quarterly views, really, really important as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd so just to once again share our experiences around this. So, you know, when we sit down at the beginning of the year, you know, we obviously look at the numbers, you know, and as I said, there's obviously financial metrics and, and we do our financials on a monthly basis, even at a very high level. You know, we don't have, obviously have to do a stock take every month, but mm. generally we know what percentage of consumables relates to from our revenue. But we look at it every month because, as I said, what we don't want is little surprises, as you said, to be discovered somewhat later. And then there's other data, which we then look at on a weekly basis, you know, and once again, so it's just really just to see how we're tracking. But at the beginning of the year, we set the goals of where we want to get to in the year. So where it is, you know, from a turnover perspective or wages to revenue or, you know, some of the other numbers that matter. Because if you think about it as a business, you know, it's really, you know, wages is definitely the largest expense. Well, outside Mm -hmm. of obviously payments to doctors, you know, but they're obviously subcontractors. It's their money and you're the service company that's providing the facility. But the other thing, as I said, is just to get into that routine. You know, even if your bookkeeper can give you, you know, a high level but relatively accurate. I mean, all of us have got access to the billing data. Um, you know, we obviously got access to a bank account. We can see all of this, you know, information. And I would encourage people, as I said, to get in the routine with your practice manager to sit down. And even as a doctor, as a subcontractor, doing it exactly the same way. I mean, the difference is with a the practice. They're obviously looking at everybody in the whole practice and all the expenses related to it. But, you know, you as a clinician also, even if you're an owner, you're typically also a doctor working in the practice, mm. you know, you should be looking at your information and looking at, you know, what are the strategies I can do to improve my dollar per hour or, or all of those sorts of things. So we, you know, really sort of focus on how can we become more efficient? Because if we are more efficient, two things, 
One is, is we tend to be able to see more, more patients, which is obviously good for the practice technically from a financial perspective, but also, you know, patients struggle to get in to see their doctors. So if you can be more efficient in your practice, you're then going to be able to see more patients, which actually gives better care to the community. So I think the key thing is get the information, as you mentioned, Chris, but once again, don't do it as a one-off activity, create a system and a structure. If it's the Second, you know, 10 days after the end of the month, we're going to look at the financials, we're going to look at whatever that is. But I completely agree, it is critically important that as a business and whether you're a doctor to have that regular process of looking at it and then in comparing it to where you want to be going. Because if the numbers are not going in the right direction, then what's going on here and what do we can do to fix it? And that's a really great point because we often always think about data as something about looking back as a lag indicator. Um, but some of the most popular metrics in Cubico are metrics that look ahead. Like looking at today, you're looking at this week and who's coming in and what are the opportunities we have for those patients. One of the biggest metrics that our practices love is actually just looking at the next six months and how much diary time do we have available for our GPs. So looking at the week of Christmas, suddenly we've gone from five GPs down to three GPs. Have we staffed our practice accordingly? And, you know, that might sound like something that makes sense, but in the hecticness of the world, sometimes metrics that look ahead are something you can change and make real tangible benefit to the practice, even down to metrics around recalls and reminders. You know, how many urgent recalls are now older than seven days? If you don't go into your PMS and count through them and find them, would you miss that? And that urgent recall is an urgent recall for a reason. So making sure you sort of balance data amongst, as I mentioned earlier today, those financial metrics with the operational and patient care metrics, really, really important to get the whole team engaged. Excellent. Beautiful. Chris, it's always a pleasure to speak to you and uh, really appreciate your time today. That's amazing. Thanks so much, Paul. Uh, always great to nerd out and have a chat about data. Yeah, no, I definitely. I'm, look, I, I'm, look I, said, I, I know we could talk about all this in different ways and I'm sure that we will again in the near future, but I really appreciate your time and also really appreciate everybody uh, who's listened to the podcast today. Hopefully you got something out of it. And once again, if you've got any questions that you would specifically like us to pose to Chris, or obviously other esteemed experts in the field, please don't hesitate to reach out to us because, you know, once again, we were here to serve you and to help you in your journey of running a practice or being a doctor within one. So please let us know. But Chris, really thank you for your time and uh, we'll look forward to seeing everybody soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to helpsert.com.